and welcome back to the Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What up? What up? We're back. We're back from Christmas and Hanukkah and the holidays, and it's a new year. You guys are here in this 2023. Stuff's coming out. Stuff came out. Not, I don't think anything come out. I think like next week is Dominaria Masters, but it is 2023 today. We're going to be talking about the whole, uh, all the product this year. All of all of the things that are coming out, and uh, it's last week. Last episode we did was, was before Christmas. Uh, we talked about last year in review. This is a year in preview, uh, part two, part one. I don't know. Uh, ben, are you excited about what's coming out this year? I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm more excited right now for Magic than I have been in a long time. I have been playing Limited. I've been playing a lot of Commander. I have been playing the Arena Cube. Um, I've just been like playing magic. I have, I don't know how this ever happens to you or maybe it never stopped happening to you, but I just want to like take out the binders and like stacks of cards every day, like sort stuff and organize stuff. And sure. like, it's just fun for me right now. I get like excited about it. Like I'm, you know, building decks on my phone again. It just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I love magic. And I think COVID, we talked about this a little bit on the, the year interview, but COVID definitely st- took the wind out of my sails a little bit in that regard. And so nice to have that back and i you know i'm just excited for all the new stuff that's going to come out this next year I, we talked about the product fatigue i do feel that a little bit but i think there's some really really cool sets upcoming and i like brothers war so much it gets, it's, it's it makes me pretty optimistic for what's next yeah and like even with even with the um like the product fatigue like in, in reality I, f- I don't know if i felt it i felt overwhelmed by how yeah. much there was, but in some ways it didn't invigorate my interest in in magic. And, and to your point, I've been playing more limited recently on arena than in a long time. I think part of that, part of that is Which arena? I, what? Oh, sorry, sorry. To finish, and then I want to know what format you've been playing. Well, I was gonna say I, part part of that is that I like love cube, uh, arena yeah. cube at least. I like this is kind of something I learned, and part of it was that Magic Summit. I got to do that Innistrad draft. I realized that I was like kind of sick of like regular standard set draft formats is kind of what sure. I realized what it is like, like prioritizing your two, two and your three, one and your, 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 you know, your curve and you have a decent removal spell with some flyers and, and like in general, my draft style or the archetype I normally will go for is also generally going to be on the grindier side. I'm a fan of removal spells and valuing, you know, incremental creatures that outclass your other opponent's creatures, even though they're a little bit more expensive, whatever. And like, that is such a grind in a basic limited format versus I love f- formats where you can draft strategies on purpose and not, and, 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 and that's true in a lot of formats, but like go into cool ones. Like the, the cube is awesome. The fact that you can do like all the graveyard stuff, the lands deck that you can play the like blue red spells deck is really cool. Um, even and brothers war, I drafted a lot of brothers war because it also feels like you're like, it feels a lot more, graveyard plus artifact strategies that can kind of combine and separate is like a really fun place to play in. And I, I, it's a great format as well. And then you add the layers of like all of the old classic cards that you can open makes it even that much more exciting. Yeah. The, the, uh, I can't remember what name you came up with for them, but the like ancient treasures or whatever, the artifacts. Uh, yeah. Oh, I guess the, yeah, yeah. the sheet, uh, that makes, that makes brothers War limited really fun. Not because they're not because you're hoping to open the nuts expensive card, but because like sigil of distinction is fun to play with or because yeah. like, you know, like I, I've played with a lot of those vintage art like precursor golem is sweet. Um, there's like a lot of cool cards. You can open a worm coil engine. That's really fun. 
so I've I've loved Brothers War. What have you found uh, in your Brothers War drafts? Just only because it's the it's the first limited set I've drafted in a long time. What have you found to be your favorite color combo? White green. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Green for me. Green is very clearly the best color. Yeah. I like. I like at first didn't like see it. And then the more I played it, the more I was like, oh, green and anything I can pretty much win with because giant growth is incredible in this format. Um, green also has like the self mill strategies in it that like adjacently yeah. just like work well with all of the unearth effects and your things are bigger and you have that white green creature that lets you put a plus one plus one counter on things yeah, that really like good. is really powerful. Yeah, it, it's I was really impressed with white green. Um, I tried a few of the other colors that just like got most of them i didn't do super well i also liked blue green but yeah once again green green base um yeah blue green's really good the tempo there's like 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 green has like the three two that makes a power stone token is really 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 good mm-hmm. uh the the four five for five that if you have three creatures in the graveyard you draw a card when it attacks there's like green's just really good oh oh you know what the best green common i think is or at least maybe the most underrated is the uh the two two for two that can't be blocked by artifact creatures that sure you can make you can you can put two counters on for seven. Anyway, uh, it's been a very fun format, and it I do think one really interesting thing, and this will this will like kind of kick off a little bit of our thoughts maybe for this next year. They started doing the first set. I think they did the additional sheet was the time shifted sheet in Time Spiral. Is that correct? That was the first time they did that. I think. I'm trying to think if there was a set before Time Spiral. None of those, none of those like Kamigawa or Ravnica sets. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So that was the first time they pulled a move like that, where you would have a weird card in every pack that was not part of the main set and and was really cool and could kind of change the feel. And it's extremely popular, obviously. People love Time Spiral. It's one of the most popular sets of all time. So it's interesting that 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 idea then became this collectible sort of a thing, right? That then eventually became like, you know, masterpieces and all that, but those are different. And then eventually now has become, this is almost like a staple now of new sets, right? The mystical well, archive, like, like once a year, right? Where like, so, cause, cause I, I was like thinking that like, right. Cause Strixhaven had the mystical archive. This has yeah. the artifacts, but that's it for this year. The other ones are like alternate border stuff, but yeah, the definitely the definitely the alter the 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 throwback sheet the mystical archive sheet for for you know mystical artifact sheet in this situation like those have been some of my favorite sets of the last year because old power and kind of the same reason i like the cube format right like i love that being brought back vibes i actually think if i were to guess Ixalan's going to be the one next year that has it well, and you can, there's just so many cool ways to do it, right? Like artifacts, that's a great theme. Mystical archives, so fun. You could like any lands based set, you could throw in an, a land on the sheet so easily. And it could be anywhere from a Mutavault to a Mistvel Plains to a Shivan Gorge to like a really cool, rare, hard to find land that's really good. Like there's so much you can do with that that just, makes every single format feel like the pack has a little bit more depth. The, the and I, think I, like, I like them a lot more than the, um, I'm going to call them treasures, but the, the, the expeditions is because the expeditions yeah. had to kind of like lock themselves into being good lands, right? Like they, yeah, every, right. every single one of the expeditions, every one of the invocations had to be like top of the list, best land you could open. Cause it's rare to find. And here you have to have some of those lands on the sheet, right? You want to have fetch lands on the sheet or whatever, but most of them can be random cool stuff. That's fun to play with. That's iconic, but doesn't need to be super expensive. I think I honestly, so, so, um, 
I mean, this is a fun fact about original Ixalan, which we'll talk about Ixalan more, but the all of the flip cards, the fact that they had the, like a cool map looking artwork on the back of them for the lands that they yeah. became was because those were all artwork that was generated to be expeditions for that set. They're going to be lands that you found uh, that you can find, but they kind of realized they didn't have it. The, the invocations were, were unsuccessful uh, because of the vibe. And, and they also felt like, Oh, in the future, we don't have enough themes to do this in every other set or this often we don't have, there are not enough like ways we can go deep on here. And this wasn't successful with Almanket. Let's cut it. And so they became the flip lands. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get a lands exploration sheet kind of the play homage to that fit that not happening um, this time around, because I think that's like and it, and I think you're right. I think you can do stuff like Misfell Plains or you can do stuff like um, the one that cycles for a land. Or I literally have I have I have the secret. Wait, layer. You, you know what Misfell Plains is? You can you can you can shut, I said that card. Yeah, you can put a card from the bottom of your deck on the bottom of your library. I'm it, impressed, guys. Plane, Alex, so fetch for it. The slam dunk on that. On that, while Alex is searching really fast, no, I have it. Ash, ba- Ash, Ash Barons, oh, uh, yeah, Command great. Beacon, Fabled Passage, Strip Mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are all great. Uh, I will. Okay, so so we're going to talk about all the sets. Uh, we have some trivia to do, and we also have some shout outs to do. But before we get to them, I have told you I've just like been wanting to like open cards. And so I had this stack of foreign packs that you and I found in a box that I had bought at a convention like four years ago. I mm-hmm. bought them all for pretty inexpensive, like eight to $11 a pack, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I opened up the seventh edition ones, which was like, I got nothing. It was, they were useless, like absolutely garbage. Cause the whole seventh edition thing is you're just hoping you open a foil of anything good. Cause it's worth so much, but everything else is useless. So then I was like, I have these other like five or six foreign packs. I'm just going to open these all. <laughs> I'm just going to open them and see if there's anything good in them. Cause like, we're never going to draft them. It's, I was like, what am I going to do with these? I'm not going to sell them. Um, and I just wanted to open stuff. So the bad luck I had had on the seventh edition packs was like pretty much totally made up by the rest of the packs I opened. Okay. I opened a, tor- I opened a torment Chinese torment pack. My, the top card, the uncommon was a pack fresh cabal coffers. So Torment Cabal Coffers, because it's an uncommon yeah, yeah. Uh, in the original. So that's like 20 bucks off the bat. Then the second uncommon was was a, a, a Chainer's Edict, which I guess I didn't realize is worth like eight or nine bucks now. Okay. Um, okay. So there's only like four uncommons in the entire set that are worth anything. And two of them were my top two uncommons. And then the first common was Cabal Ritual, which again, it's a $10 common because they haven't reprinted it in forever. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so that was one pack of Torment I got like of the seven cards in the set that are worth anything with three of them were in one pack. Then I opened my one rise of the Eldrazi Chinese pack. My rare was training grounds. Nice. Nice. Uh, It's like 32 bucks. Uh, My one shadow more pack. My rare was polluted bonds. You know that card? No, it's like a, it's like, was it 20 some odd dollars? It's like a, a, um, it's a, it's a a a shadow more card. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, most of these sets aren't worth anything. Uh, so I was opening like the legitimate pulls in these. Uh, Polluted Bonds is an enchantment. It's black, black three. Um, whenever a land comes into play under an opponent's control, that player loses two life and you gain two life. It's just obviously a commander card. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was super fun opening those old packs. Uh, I got like a bunch of good stuff. Um, and then, you know, just but I didn't touch any of the, the English language ones because we're going to draft those in Philly, which I'm excited to go to, by the way. Philly's going to be great. 
All right, let's do some shout outs. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, we are sponsored f- by uh, multiple friends. First off, TCG Player. Uh, it's one of the best places you can buy magic cards on the internet. If you click on our affiliate code down below, it's not even a code, it's a link. It'll just remember we sent you. Um, that's, you know, always appreciated. Uh, if you check out as well, um, altersleeves.com uh, and use the code the MMCast at checking out. They send us love. And also, if you are a patron, uh, you get exclusive access. Uh, this will be the last month. Uh, if uh, you are a patron for the last uh, four months, you get uh, you get access to four copies of this lightning bolt uh, altar sleeves. These are cool sleeves. They're all like you get the their inner sleeves. They go in a sleeve over the card. The card then goes in another sleeve. Uh, and they get to modify the cards you play with with the coolest artwork you could want. And this one's uh, MM MM cast themed and super appreciated. And that's for free for anyone who's a, a patron, which costs money. Uh, but patrons comes with other stuff, including uh, 20 minutes. Though this episode of bonus content at the beginning of the episode, we talked about Glass Onion. We talked about having a child. We talked about traveling and going to see movies and movie theaters across the country. Uh, so make sure if you are a patron and you missed that, check that out. And if you're not a patron yet, now's the time. Uh, and uh, uh, if you can please comment below, uh, there's a thing that there's a project I'm going to work on. Uh, I don't know if we'll actually get to this, but if you guys do comment below with these things, any questions you have about the stuff we're talking about, anything you want us to maybe co- go over a little bit more. Um, I kind of want to see if we can maybe start creating a type of Q and a type content, at least through on, on TikTok, if not here. Um, so comments below on like uh, further depth or questions you have for us, we'll try and uh, answer directly on, uh, on a, on a video uh, soon. Uh, so please uh, do that while you're here. And thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Also all of the patrons. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I was trying to say. Uh, all right. So the game works like this. I ask Alex a trivia question. Or he asked me a trivia question. I'm not sure which we're going to do here, but there'll be some hemming and hawing. There'll be some trying to figure out what the answer to that trivia question is. And at the end of it, if you guys got it wrong, you've got to like this video, leave a comment below. If you're not already doing it, subscribe to the channel. That is how the game works. Alex, do you have a trivia question for me or should I throw one at you? I have one. Slow bad. Uh, famous, famous, uh, one of the main characters of the original Mirrodin story, a goblin, yep. um, has been previewed to be completed, uh, in the upcoming set, uh, uh, Phryxia, all will be one, um, okay. in that his head has, and, and body has been attached to another well-known legendary creature's body. Uh, do you know which creature that is? Oh, geez. It's a creature. It's a legendary creature. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll if, if you if you need me to, I will also uh, you can ask for a lifeline uh, for me to give you the full the full name uh, of the, the card showing up in in uh, in in Phyrexia. All will be one. I'll even read you the flavor text. OK, that's because that, I, I know that slow bad goblin tinker originally printed in dark steel, I believe. Um, maybe mirror. I think dark steel. Um, I know what the card does the original one and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the sacrifice another artifact for indestructible or something like that. Um, it's a one, two, I want to say, I think that if it's something to do with Mirrodin, it's probably some sort of, is it like master core maybe? Um, no, it's the wrong set. No, 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 no. Master core was brought back. Molten tail master core thing. The legendary, maybe give me the, give me the, uh, Give me the, the text. Slow bad iron goblin, two red for a legendary creature, Phyrexian goblin artificer. You may tap 
Sacrifice an artifact, add an amount of red mana equal to the sacrificed artifact's mana value. You may only spend that mana to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Uh, they are 3-3. Three, three. Once he fought to save Mirrodin, now he fights to remake it. I mean, that feels like that's... Well, but here's the thing. Cause I thought I thought Karn was a creature, then became a Planeswalker. Feels like that's Karn. It but is not, I it is. don't... Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's Bosch Iron Golem. Oh yeah, Bosch Iron, good old Bosch. Yeah, I should have, I should have gone down. I knew Karn was wrong. Ugh. So, yeah. so to follow that yeah. up, there are one, two, three, four, five, six. Now with Slowbad and Bosch, uh, s- technically seven, seven legendary creatures that have showed up on a Mirrodin set in any format, uh, in in Commander Legend sets. And at any time, there there is only that number of characters that have not been completed yet. So like Glissa, Slowbad, Bosch Iron Golem, all completed. They give you another Jor Kadeen, if you remember, has been confirmed to have not been completed. Mm. They've gotten a preview card from New Phyrexia. Can you name three of the other legendary creatures that have not been completed by the Phyrexians? Zero, zero chance on that one, Ghost Rider. That's a miss. It's a swing and a miss. <laughs> All right, uh, we're not gonna. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name some, and you, you have a chance. Uh, Zam, Zaba, Zabaz, the Glimmer Wasp, which is the one oh, yeah. mana. That's a new yep. one. So that one that not completed that we know of. Um, Crark the Thumbless. Oh yeah, Crark the Thumbless. That's a good one. Uh, so he uh, no thumbs, but maybe if we he gets completed. All thumbs, maybe hunt Crark hundred thumbs, <laughs> too many thumbs. <laughs> We've got a hundred thumbs and wants to. Yeah, that's some good jokes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great jokes. Uh, uh, Kemba, Ka Regent. Oh, Not yeah, Kemba. Needed. Love me some Kemba. Yep, yep. Um, Thrun, the last troll. Um, Raksha, Golden Cub. But it is confirmed that like in the story of original Mirrodin, a lot of the people that were like stolen from their homes by uh, the bad guy of that set were sent back. So uh, Raksha is no longer on Mirrodin. So they're, they're off being a Goldeen cub somewhere else. Um, and then the one I thought you might get is Malira. Oh yeah. I love me. I love me some Malira. These are all great. These are all great cards and great characters. All right, guys. Uh, I struck out on that one. If you knew the answer, uh, the initial answer, good for you. Please like the video. If you didn't, you have to like, comment, uh, and uh, subscribe. If, if you would, please. It helps the channel a lot. Um, Alex, I have a question for you. I thought of it while we were talking about this. How many cards, and you have to name them, have been printed that can grant infect to a creature that doesn't already have it? Ooh, do I have to name them, name them, or can I tell you? What you can just des- you can describe them. I'll give that to you cool. if you can get the number. And, uh, and get them all so right. there's the you know there's the overrun plus one plus one all creatures get infect for two green uh two green green uh there yeah, um, the the equipment uh that that gives infect then if you unequip it the or if, if it gets unequipped the creature dies. Grafted exoskeleton. Grafted exoskeleton. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there is Phoreses, which is one in a black target. The enchanted creature has infect. There's okay. uh, there's another enchantment that's black, black, I believe, that gives the creature infect and then minus one, minus one uh, every a uh, minus one, minus one counter at the at a time. It's called glistening oil. Yep. 
Um, there is Tainted Strike, I believe. Uh, one black, just a black uh, to give a creature, in fact, instant or sorcery, and maybe a plus of some variety. Maybe not. I forget if it has that. I think it's just in fact, actually. I think it's plus one plus one, in fact, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I get it mixed up also with the rebound death touch one. Yeah, they like yeah, look yeah, like yeah. The, the exact same card. Um, and then how many did you say there were? I said you have to name how many and you have to name them. So you've so far named five and you've described them all of the five. There's not a creature that like taps to give in fact or anything like that. There's not. Those are all the enchantments. I don't believe there's a there's there's the um technically <laughs> there is the one mana artifact one one that for one black you can give itself in fact that technically if it was in your graveyard and you had any of the creatures that let you get the activated abilities of creatures in your graveyard you can use that effect to give themselves in fact using that creature that's in your graveyard um, we're not gonna, we're not going to count that one we're not counting that's that one okay <laughs> if exiled by <laughs> xyz creatures I'm going to, uh, there's nothing in any of the weird set. There's no, like, there's no, like, Modern Horizons Infect card that's been created. I don't think there's any, like, all creatures gain Infect. Outside. I think that's it. I'm going to go with five, and those are the five. You were so close. One. Uh, I believe you missed, I think, and, and if I'm wrong on this, guys, I did this off memory. I think I'm right, though. The one you missed is the Blue Enchantment Corrupted Conscience. Oh, I you steal a creature and it gains infect. Uh, that's the I think it's blue. I want to say it's blue, blue three, maybe or blue, blue, blue three. Um, it's, it's three blue, blue. Yeah, three blue, blue, right? And it's gain control of enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gains and has infect. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, that, that is the, well, the answer. I believe is six. And that is the six cards. So if you got it all, you knew them all. Congratulations. Round of applause. That wraps up our trivia segment for the day. Be sure to follow us on TikTok. You guys, uh, if you missed any of the old episodes trivia, you can actually get a lot of them. We repost a lot of the old trivia segments on TikTok. That's at the MMCast podcast or the MMCast. It's on the MM, MMCast podcast on, on, yeah. on TikTok. Cool. Um, all right. Wait, okay. Let's get right. in so back to this week's episode. Jumping in, jumping into continue because because what we're talking about the future and we're on New Phyrexia, so let's talk about it. So of the characters I mentioned, the you know uh, uh, Zabiz, Krark, Malera, Kemba, Thrun. So there's not a lot of characters left that have not that have not been completed, right? Like for the most part, they've all Glissa, all these legendary creatures done. Of those five, who who do you think's gonna who's who do you think's gonna get completed? Who do you think surviving? I, well, this is, but before I answer that question, this might, I mean, this will be helpful for me, but I, maybe somebody who's listening to this is in the same boat as me. I don't really know, like, who these characters are in the context of this story. Can you give me, like, the cliff notes of, like, how this all works? The, the Phyrexians want to, like, infect and complete people. Who are the, who is this cast of characters? Where did they come from? Like, what's right, the deal? So, so, so Phyrexians in general uh, are, are Magic the Gathering's biggest bad guy. Uh, they, right. they, um, they're based on the Borg, which is a Star Trek villain. Um, yep. Top one of the most largest villains in Star Trek as well. Um, they basically want to. They like kind of function in a pseudo zombie virus kind of way where they infect you with a techno virus that eventually uh, convinces you to want to replace your body with as much biological mechanical uh, modifications 
and will reconstruct yourself to become a more completed version of yourself. Um, and that's the word that is beautiful. And, all that, um, yeah. and so it'll be like, yeah, yeah. you'll have multiple arms or you'll get like a cool laser eyeball or whatever. And um, it functions. There is mind control features. You, once you are infected, you are now up. You are your motivation is to have Phyrexia succeed uh, and to follow the teachings of Phyrexia. There's some religious zealotness esque vibes to it as well, where it's like almost more of a religion once you're a part of Phyrexia than it is even like a mindset. The Borg was much more like hive mindy, where Phyrexia right. is a lot more like God, King, religious kind sure. of stuff uh it's led by five praetors we've been seeing them for the last set so you have uh elishnorn who's the leader uh you have urbrask who's the rebellious teenage son who kind of is like revolting against the phyrixians which gets into some of the planeswalker conversations we're going to have in a second uh uh jingataxius which is like the the vizier of um the like science side. he's like he's the studious one he's like coming up he's the one that figured out how to complete planeswalkers um what? you have Children. Uh, Urbrat, Shieldred, uh, who's, who's the black mana one. Uh, she's kind of the war leader. Like she's she's she was usurped. Like she was supposed to be in charge, and then Elishnorn was able to kind of like take over instead. Um, she's the one that was like waging war on Dominaria. Um, and then you have Vorna Klux, who's like the green one, who's like the big hunter, angry, whatever. Blah 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 blah. Um, and they took over Mirrodin. So, so originally they were on Dominaria. They were Urza's biggest enemy. The whole brother, you know, the, the brothers war was about the Mishra kind of bringing the Phyrexians back. Um, after they find old Thrawn technology, which is the origins of Phyrexia. Um, Yagamoth was their original leader. Uh, and through all of that, Urza eventually killed them, sacrificing himself, whole thing. Bunch of stuff blew up a bunch of times. Um, and then that's what the Weatherlight saga was about fighting. And Karn is has Urza's spark in him, and that's how he became a planeswalker. He was a creature originally. Urza's spark is inside of Karn, and Karn is the legacy weapon, which was like the first attempt by Urza to blow up all the Phyrexians. Um, and then um, but Karn made Mirrodin. Mirrodin is a plane created by Karn, and when he created it, he still had Phyrexian oil inside of him that Urza's spark was protecting him from, but was able to start infecting the plane. And then over the thousand of years, eventually it took over the whole plane, hence Phyrexia. Um, and then the Praetors uh, were born to be the leaders of the plane, basically. If you've watched Hunter Hunter, which Ben hasn't watched, um, they're kind of they're like Mir- Miriam. They're like the Ant King that eventually shows up in that show. They're basically that. So, who, so, so who are the heroes? You, so you mentioned Slobad and all those characters. Who that's that's so, like so, a team. So, so, Slo, like a- Slo, Slobad and Glissa were heroes in the first the first Mirrodin set. First Mirrodin set had nothing to do with Mir- uh, Phyrexia. It had to do with uh, the Mirari, which was some ancient artifact who then became a character, and he like Karn created this like cool planet for him to play on. I was like, Hey dude, you take over for a bit. And, and he ended up being evil partially because he was corrupted by Phyrexian oil that we kind of didn't know that at the time. And he like teleported a bunch of creatures from all over the multiverse to live there. And then there is a whole story about that. And that's how Rakshasha golden club got teleported back. Cause the end of that story is a lot of the people that were teleported there the first generation were sent back to their home planes so they can see their families, but all their children stuck around. Um, and so Glissa and Slobad and Bosch were all main characters in that first set, right? 
the second time we came back is about when Phyrexia took over. And that's where like Azuri came from and right. Glissa comes back, but she's completed. She's Glissa the traitor. Green, green um, and uh, at that point, Planeswalkers, the main characters, right? So, so the plot of the first Phyrexian set is Phyrexia is taking over a big war. Karn is basically been turned into the God King. He's been trapped by them and corrupted. He doesn't have a spark anymore. That spark's gone. Um, Venser, uh, Elsbeth, and Koth basically go on a mission to save Karn. And Tezzeret is kind of like on the sides being a, a bad guy, but he's like working with the Phyrexians, but he isn't like part of them. Um, they eventually find Karn. Uh, they, the way they're able to do it is Malira, who's still around, uh, is immune to all metal infection. So she's the first Mirren to ever be born without like metal augmentations that happen naturally. Uh, but she's also immune to Phyrexia. So they use her magic, um, to like not be Phyrexianized. Uh, and then Venser teleports his heart that carries his spark into Karn. Um, to save Karn, Venser dies. Karn is resurrected. Oh right, Venser dies. Right, right. It's Karn liberated. That's the Karn says. liberated, well, yeah, and then yeah. that's where Karn liberated came from. Uh, and then Koth has basically been on Mirrodin. So some movie tropes that you'll appreciate. Koth is a combination between Ash from The Evil Dead and John Connor from Terminator. He's uh, been okay. like fighting this fight for. 20, 10 years just like on his own on the depths we haven't seen him since and then like everyone's like oh he's gonna be dead he's not gonna make it. and he shows up and he's like he does the arnold uh predator high five yeah, slap yeah. with uh with karn or whatever and is like well, welcome back to the the front lines yeah. and so he's been leading the pack this whole time he's really one of the heroes elsbeth was historically one of the heroes but doesn't seem to be super involved uh, as of now. We'll see what happens uh, with March of the Machines. Um, uh, leading up to this, a few planeswalkers have been completed. So um, Tamiya was famously turned into a planeswalk into a Phyrexian. A Johnny, don't forget my boy, a Johnny. And then, and then a Johnny. And then we have 10 planeswalkers in Phyrexian. All will be one, which by the time this episode comes out, I don't think preview season has started yet. Um, but. Uh, the 10 Planeswalkers, five of them will be completed. So the 10 are Jace, Kaido, Kaya, Koth, Luka, Nahiri, Nissa, um, Vraska, the Wanderer, and one other one that I just, I was blocking with my head. Oh, oh Tyvar, <laughs> Tyvar, the, the elf, the elf bro guy. Oh, Tyvar's the elf bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so who are the five that are going to be completed is a big question. There is a leak. It's been weeks since the leak happened. Do you want me to tell you the leak? Please. Okay. So uh, if you've uh, please flash editor a number saying what the time code is, the skip, if you don't want to hear the leak uh, and, and Ben's response. So um, we know that we know that Koth and, and Kaido have not been completed. It looks pretty much. There was leaks that showed that Jace, Braska and Nissa all get completed. Jace gets completed. We get evil Jace. Evil Jace is happening. Uh, so that'll be like you think that'll be a blue black Jace? No, no, I think they're all going to be. Uh, well, I don't know. If I'll be monocolor. The the ones that we got previewed is Jace is mono blue, uh, Nissa is mono green, and Vraska is mono black. Is it a good Jace? I, we we haven't seen what their abilities are. Okay. It was like it was wow. a leak, right? If someone took a picture of all three, and they're all the like ink oil raised oil special foils, so they're like hard to okay. really read even what they do. Um, who knows? It might be. I hate good. that anybody. I, I I hate that anybody like leak stuff. It like, still bothers me that people do that. It's like why? What's the why? Just oh why? yeah. 
I mean, I mean, and and uh, you know, the, I think we can we can not talk. But so okay, so we have we have these ten, um, these ten characters that are all all kind of like leading the charge to attack. Some of them have probably been completed before this. We know that uh, there was a card on Magic Arena that showed Tyvar, Dahiri, Kaya, the Wanderer, and um, and Vraska are all like the the assault squad they're going in to try and 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 uh defeat Phyrexia and figure out what's going on plant the Silex which is this like big bomb that they've been developing um because Karn has disappeared um oh there's a lot of Hunter Hunter references in the set actually well I'll, when, I'll, when, when, uh, <laughs> when um one of our stories ends in Magic Story by the way guys just, if it's not clear I, I pay zero mind to like the story whatsoever I kind of pick up bits and pieces but like i am in the dark when it comes to like how a lot of this stuff works uh and maybe you are too i don't know when one story ends like when we get to the end of this and like presumably in theory hopefully the good folks win uh and and beat the phyrexians and they don't all die do we then like obviously sometimes there's a continuance of the story to like the next set or something but often when it ends we just like go to a new story and it's like a different place in the multiverse like a different place in the we just leave so, that one behind for now. It works kind of like the Avengers and the MCU, right? Like most sets are individual stories that have little pieces that build towards a greater story. What we're walking into is Endgame, right? Where 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 uh, War of the Spark was kind of the first Endgame. We're now going into Endgame two, um, and um, there's a few things that are important. Uh, one is this is the last of the three 2010 uh, villain setups. So in 2009, they did Shards of Alara that like set up Nicol Bolas as the next big villain. Right. right then they did right. Zendikar that set up the old Drazi as the next one of the next three big villains. And then they did Scars of Mirrodin Block, which set up the Phyrexians Return as one of the next three big villains. Right. So they had those three big sets all at once that kind of set up the last the next 15 years of story content. Um, something we do know. So we're out. So once those are done, there's like a few set up. There's the Raven man has been set up as a possible villain. Um, there's a lot of singular plane villains, right? Like Azor's on Ixalan. Oko's out there doing stuff. Ashiok's out there doing stuff. We don't know who's going to be completed and be a part of the Phyrexians versus not. Um, none, of those, none of those villains that you just named feel anywhere near as like menacing, big or cool as the ones that they set up, right? All the ones that those three you just talked about all there's like, yeah, the Eldrazi seems super evil. The the Nickel Bolas is obviously like massively evil. And like the idea of like Borg is like really very evil. So I don't know, like a TikTok series on this, actually, like talking about what villains could be the next big villains. There's some stuff, right? Like Nihiri, if she's not completed, could be like she's like she sucked. She sicked Emrakul on an entire plane. And the last time we saw her, she was on Zendikar trying to resurrect like what amounts to the core empire, like giant sky star destroyers that they commanded to dominate Zendikar. But here's, here's, here's two pieces of information. One, uh, wizards of the Morrow on his blog said that there is a big change happening with March of the machines to how magic functions, both mechanical and story. And this is what I think it is. I think they are. Okay. So, so, a, part, a small piece that I forgot to tell you on Cal time, which is the first time we saw one of the Praetors, Vornicluck showed up and he stole sap from the world tree. That's the big tree that connect. Cause you know, Cal time yeah. is like nine planes, kind of how like in Thor there's like the nine realms or whatever. 
Sure, sure, sure. There's like the there's the one with the snow giants, and there's the one with the elves, and all the okay. So there's a tree that connects it that allows you to like kind of create permanent planar travel that hasn't been possible before. The Frixians stole that, and then there's a source book that shows that that's their plan. They have they're growing this massive tree to connect all of the planes to each other. And I think that uh, Frexianize and complete the whole world. All all of the worlds, right? Every plane that's that we've ever been to. So so the and we have splash art for the later set, March of the Machines, um, that has Chandra, Brigamos, uh, Dina, Baral, Essica, the blue dragon from Kamigawa, all together and other than chandra all of those are not planeswalkers so they up to this point have not been able to be near each other right so they're the frictions are connecting the planes we know that we also know how they're doing it because there was a amazon book that came out by jay and ellie recommend buying it <laughs> jay's great um but i think that's permanent i think that's the big change i think i think the gatewatch becomes the tsa of uh, the planes and now all of these planes are connected to each other so characters through difficulty right it's not just like I can just anyone can go anywhere but like kind of like going back to the Weatherlight Saga days where characters and like Borygamos can become a main character that's in three sets in a row instead of us only being able to follow planeswalkers and I see this what you're saying so this, sorry me- mechanically and story wise they'd be setting up a situation where now the backwards compatibility of the multiverse means that you can bring Toby Maguire into the new thing, or you can have like, it doesn't, it, you can use whoever you want in the moment that you want. And it's just awesome. Yeah, and, and, and this is the, this is and now. So, so that that's like a safe bet. Here's my tinfoil uh, hat theory. Planeswalkers are problematic. Just maybe a hot take. They, they have this problem. They have three problems. One as a mechanic from a funness perspective, they are either unfun and good or not are fun and bad, right? Where, where like, if you think of all of the best planeswalkers of all time, when they've been best in formats like standard, they're relatively be hated, right? Jace, the mind sculptor, Liliana, the veil, Oko, these are not like fan favorite moments of standard. People love them in hindsight because people love powerful cards and there is a grindiness that people like in magic, but they're a relatively disliked card type. They make backwards compatibility for some cards like lightning bolt complicated. Um, and so th- you have a weird point where like these characters are the main characters. These are the characters that magic is trying to tell a story on. They're trying to build brands around them so they can sell those brands to movie studios. So they make a TV show and a movie about these characters so that those characters can be used to advertise their sets. That's why these big stories happen. Right? So, and on top of that, the most played format in magic commander Yep. You can't use Planeswalkers as the character that you're playing as when you play that format. And as a person who has tried making that work, I have a Nihiri deck. I have a Tamiyo deck. uh, I have a Chandra deck. Hopefully all three of them, not all three of them get completed. Uh, You know, they, there is reasons why they shouldn't be commanders. They create a grindy play style. They're not the most fun in that format. They don't really work. So my tin hat foil theory is that Wizards is making a move to greatly reduce the inclusion of Planeswalkers as the center of magic story, if not getting rid of the card type entirely. Like, like, no, that would be getting rid of the card type would be wild. That would be that would be such a nuts thing to do because I I think I think that is true. But I think they move to like sagas. I think they move to like maybe a Planeswalker shows up once in a while and not. 
every set has three. Do you like sagas? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Like 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 you like them or you love them? You think they're phenomenal or you I like them? Okay? I liked I like the spins on them more than the originals. Like I like um I like the choose when you start ones a lot from Dominaria United. It's probably the best thing from Dominaria United. And then I don't hate yeah. the ones that like flip in the creatures. Um I'm okay with them. I've noticed I've noticed myself we've talked about this on here before, right? And I and guys, I <laughs> I know we just did like a giant left turn because I asked Alex to tell me the entire story of that. Um, but we will get to the next. I know. I know you. I learned this with you. You're never going to half ass it. You're always going to give it your all when I ask a question like that, which I appreciate about you. You asked for uh, what's learned- the entire background to the largest <laughs> story magic has ever told. I, in my mind, asking that question, foolish. I know. I learned something. I was going to be like, how does Phyrexia work? And you were, you were going to be like. Oh, it's like some sort of like infectious Borgs type thing. And there's like about eight heroes that are fighting against it. I named a bunch of them. And uh, that's like basically what I figured you were going to say. But we all learned something here today because I could not have told you any of what Alex just told me. Uh, and now I know way more. Which now you is, can. <laughs> now I can. Uh, so, 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 so. But but uh, as far as Planeswalkers go and, you know, uh, why I think it would be problematic or, or or I guess like hard to get rid of them. There's been such so, a focus. Oh, sorry, sorry uh, just just to clarify, that's the extreme part of my take. I, th- I think they'll reduce them, and uh, legendary creatures will become a much central focus of the story going forward. So, like, we'll follow Joyruth for a few sets, and maybe Planeswalkers will be involved. All right, sorry, keep going. I don't disagree with you that I think the Planeswalker grindy style is kind of bad. Like it's, I, I think that some are great. I think some of the best designed ones exist between three and four mana and they're really fun cards. Um, I think the intrinsically powerful ones tend to be not very fun to play against. There's always this inevitability feeling when they come down, which is like deal with this immediately or you just die. Like you just lose the game if you don't handle this right away. But I also think there's been such a shift in design over the last five or six years. There's so many more ways to handle than there used to be. Like, there's been such a huge focus on creating cards like that, um, whether they're, you know, one mana, two mana, like there's just a lot of things that exist that are supposed to stop them. How many one mana ways are there to kill a Planeswalker? Uh, I mean, the, there's not a huge number, but they, they do exist. Uh, like there's obviously lots of spells that are like damage to a creature or planeswalker. And it's a higher rate of damage for one, which is something that like didn't used to happen as much. There's like enchant target creature or planeswalker. It loses abilities. There's some cards like that. There's like, uh, even there's even cards like hex parasite that just are out there that you can play that are fine. That like, um, I'm not saying look, but one CMC to deal with a planeswalker, considering the average cost of planeswalkers created in magic history are like 3.7 or something. One is too cheap. They aren't going to make like a sweet mythic type that answerable. But there are lots of cards like D-Spark or like the double black thing um, or the Dreadbolt, not Dreadbolt, the other one, uh, Angrath's Rampage, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. There's lots and lots and lots of things that they've introduced over the last several years that have changed the math at least a little bit. So it's hard for me to believe they would just like reverse that. Um but I was going to well, say before don't, the cards don't planeswalkers don't go away, right? They, they, all the ones that have been printed exist still. They don't retcon them out of the game. But I think like 
I mean, this is this is the hard part, right? I don't I don't think there's any of the stories they set up that they can keep telling without Planeswalkers being a central focus, right? They've set Liliana up to have a really cool story arc going forward. They set up the Kenrith twins to be main characters moving forward. We still Garrick has never had his chance to shine to be the main character of magic. Let's make Garrick the Chewbacca we all want him to be. You know, Oko, I, like when we talked about villains in the future, like Oko is a really interesting one and has a massive power level PR boost that for the game. And and, and if they get rid of Planeswalkers, if they reduce how many Planeswalkers are around, how do you tell stories centered around those characters that are set up to be told? But if Planeswalkers, the card type is t- changing or going away or not being used and those characters or all like I think it could be a no more mutant situation, right? Or a, 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 like a de-sparking for many people where a lot of these characters become creatures moving forward and there are still like a few rare planeswalkers, but they're like the few and far in between, right? Like Garrick is That's maybe a cool idea. planeswalker. That's a cool idea. The thing I was going to sort of finish my statement about yeah, that, sorry. just because I know I started talking about sagas, uh, was that basically... My the big thing I remember starting to notice and we talked about this like a lot over the last year, but I remember starting to notice somewhere three ish years ago, three, four years ago, the amount of text and like double face cards that I felt like were getting introduced started to make my ability to read and evaluate cards quickly, like harder, like my head hurt more trying to just trying to like put it all. And especially when you're drafting, you just start to ignore cards because it's like I this card's never good. I don't want to read it. I don't even really know exactly know what it does. That whole phenomenon, the difference between a saga that has three lines of text and then a backside, which is a good card, like a lot of them are powerful. And a planeswalker is that when I look at a planeswalker in a limited format or even like in a pack when I open it, I'm always like, okay, this is exciting. It's a character. It's a mythic rare. This should be good. If I take this in limited, it should be the thing that'll win the game for me. If I open this in a pack, I should be able to play this in my standard deck. I have more motivation to read that card completely than I do to read a saga. And I do feel like sagas, especially the double sided ones, feel a bit more like the Kaldheim creatures that were like, there's so much going on here. I like my I just it's hard for me to track this quickly. So in limit, I, I think, just kind of ignore them. Yeah, I think I think I think like in reality, the double sided ones, I don't love as much as I like the choose ahead ones. I think part of the Planeswalker benefit is you can almost always ignore the last ability. Yeah, right. The, like the amount of times I like I will eventually read the last ability when I'm like, oh, this is in play. Oh, what is this? Oh, cool. I'm like, that's how I'm going to win when I build up to this. Right. You, It's like two abilities unless it's one of the rare four ability ones is all I need to read. Um, whereas Saga, you have to know all three abilities before you play it. Right. Like because you are it will get to that last one. It's inevitable and it and you don't have a cho- it'll just happen in three turns. So I, I agree that there's like. And then to your point, the fact that sagas show up at common and uncommon, I mean, there's a ton that you have to read. And some of them are like, oh, this is good. I get a I get a zero four wall. I gain two life and I get a plane. So this draws me a land. It, you know, it smooths out my land drops. It protects me like a wall of omens. And I stabilize with some life gain. That's good. There's like Versus like, oh, this gives plus one plus one to a creature three times. and makes one a one one token. I don't I'm never going to play that. There's also like when you just compare, you can't, you cannot change this easily because magic design philosophy has to change because the basic functions of each color can't just be repeated over and over again. They did a lot of that over the years. And like we, we get tired of seeing the same type of card or the same card over and over again. 
But I will point back to a card like Yavimaya Elder, which is obviously just like a classic Urza's Destiny. I think it was an uncommon. It was reprinted in one of the Horizon sets. But it's like green, green one for a two one. When Yavimaya Elder dies, you may search your library for up to two basic land cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, and you can pay two and sacrifice it to draw a card. It's quite a bit of text on an uncommon, for the, especially through the old days. It has two abilities. There are two distinctly appealing abilities because one of them gets you two lands. The other one draws you a card. It can sacrifice itself. Like, there's a lot going on on that card, but it's a lot going on that's very easy to track. When you read it, you're like, oh, there are two, like, two sections of text on this card. It's probably good when I play it most of the time. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's sort of the difference between like magic design that I think works really easily for my brain and magic design that's trying to get so clever to justify its existence. Um, so for me, sagas, especially the ones that are common and uncommon, they feel a bit more like the I can't be bothered. Uh, and I mean, again, this is so stupid. Like I literally played Highlander with our buddy Eric the other night. And he was like, oh, yeah, this card, I realized it's really good. I see them playing it in Legacy. When you do this, you enter the dungeon. And I was like, where's the dungeon card? He's like, oh, I don't have it. Just like look it up online really fast. And I was like, okay, let me like Google this on my phone, I guess. And then I like read it and then I like, closed my phone. And then like he played the card later. And I was like, I can't remember what it does again. And I like was trying to, I was just like, this is, this is insane. Like that you can't make cards that require you to have access to information that's nowhere near the card. That's not it, simple information. It's complicated information. It makes the card itself invalid. Like the, you know, the card doesn't have the dungeon on the back of it. So I, I do feel like when I think about Magic's greatest strengths and it's maybe its biggest misses the last few years, that's the type of stuff that I'm like, this is we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. And so I haven't found Planeswalkers to be that for me overall. I've still found them to be pretty fun, even, even the ones that are problematic. But what you're saying does make sense to me that, you know, that the line is really very, very thin as far as a great one and a very average one. Yeah, I think I think and part of it is just like it's hard to. It's hard not to keep track. It, it, it's it's hard to sorry, not even close to keeping track. It's hard to design. Think of how like think of over the last couple of years, especially since War of the Spark, the amount of forgettable Planeswalker cards. Yeah, very much so. Now, now there is a the, the ones that weren't forgettable are the ones that are too powerful or the ones that were like breaking the mold, did something different. Nico, Nico Aris, where they're, like, they're able to, um, you know, uh, X is in their converted mana cost or or um, they have a static ability of some variety. That's interesting. Like, but for the most part, they've kind of been whatever. I I, I think a big it'll, it'll be really interesting to see what they do. So so that does bring us to the kind of the next set. Right. So we have. We have Phyrexia. This is going to be the downbeat, by the way. There's got five characters are dying. There, this first set is going to be the loss, the the darkest part of the story. We're setting off on a bad on bad vibes. Um, this is Empire Strikes Back, or yeah, it's Empire Strikes Back. It's and it's uh, Infinity War, right? This is the this is the snap. The snap is happening in this set. Dominaria United into this, and and with Brothers War has kind of been the lead up to the snap. Then. Then we go to uh, March of the Machine, and this is going to be the war set. This is the big one. This is when everything comes to a head. All of the all of the answers will answer. We'll see the Phyrexians fight the heroes. I'm guessing some other characters die forever here. We're going to get some big moments here. This is the big one. Um, we don't know who's in it. We don't know what's in it. Um, if I were to guess, Elspeth is a main character in it. 
Okay. Gotcha. Would be my main shot call that's and and maybe Tezzeret and Karin are involved somehow, but I don't even I don't even but what I do think is I think we're getting we're gonna get a lot of characters from a lot of planes. Partially like as I said, on Phyrexia, there's not that many legendary creatures or even named characters that aren't planeswalkers that aren't completed already, right? They're not already turned into bad guys. So that also means there's not a lot of characters that turn into bad guys. So I think we're going to planes beyond this is when all the planes get connected they start invading we'll get a bunch of character deaths from other planes that we like right we'll get like uh i don't know name a what's your favorite plane ben yeah i don't know innistrad's great uh cool name a legendary creature from innistrad you like uh olivia Valderin. yeah we'll get a complete olivia Valderin, right that's that'd be dope <laughs> right yeah. like th- these are the type of images we could like we could get these type of character moments in that set that's all we know. The next one is March of the Machines. That's the one that we have uh, the aftermath, which is uh, an interesting fifth set in um, the standard roster for a year. I don't think I can think of many times there have been five sets in a single year for standard. So the aftermath is supposed to be like the cleanup. This is the like epilogue sort of. Exactly. It's literally that. It's literally the epilogue. It'll be it'll be the ending. What happens next? Maybe the ramifications. And so I think in March of the Machine. The that's where the ending, the war will happen. We'll the Elish Norn will be murdered, blah, 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 are defeated, blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll find out who the like the mustache twirling character that's going to be like the setup for the next time the Phyrexians come back in the aftermath. Right. But then the aftermath is the setup of what I mentioned, where it's like, oh, the worlds are now connected forever. We now live in a world where the Phyrexians have been defeated. They're, you know, the, they're trying to clean up all of the mess they made, but now anyone can go anywhere. Planeswalkers, maybe to kill the Phyrexians that Planeswalkers had to sacrifice their sparks or whatever, um, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so you have like that, you mentioned in March of the Machine, like you're going to have the all the big fight with like, you know, Elspeth coming back. In a story point like that, you have to have some of the most famous beloved characters right it's the it's it's an end game you had to have the big three all the supporting characters are great but it was going to be the big three versus thanos you needed that that was like a big selling point of watching it so it's like the with with march march of the machine you know who are those characters that as magic fans we like need to see be heroic and or die like that's oh, yeah. i guess Dahlia's big yeah, i mean elspeth made sense to me that's that's a legacy character who's uh, been around for a long time I think we're going to see stuff like Quantorius or other um, like the, I think the strict, I think the Strixhaven class members were extraordinarily popular. I think we might see some of the new Capenna mob bosses that we didn't get to see do anything. I think there's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of different characters that we're going to get like a significant quantity of characters that you recognize and know that like, I mean, in, in the artwork I mentioned with Baral and like, we've seen some of them already. Right. So the aftermath, though, is not a that's that's not a dramatic story point. That's a that's a wrap up. Things have happened like characters well, are making moving on or having set whatever. I mean, go ahead. I think I think the point with the aftermath. It, so we, we know for sure if my tin foil that great, something big is happening. Morrow has said there is a massive change happening to magic due to the Phyrexian saga ending that is go, going to both mechanically change stuff about how magic functions as well as this and it's going to have story it's going to be based on story ramifications right the story is going to represent that happening um that's i think what aftermath is about whatever that is 
Um, I, I I think bare level, it's that the planes are connected and now characters can travel from plane to plane and they're going to represent that somehow. And I think at the top end, it could be something like planeswalkers work differently now or they don't exist anymore. Or we're not going to print them anymore blah, blah, to, to yada, yada, yada. Right. I think there's a range. Um, it's going to be a time spiral like event is, I guess, the point. Right. Because in time spiral, that's when the mending happened. That's when before that planeswalkers were gods that you couldn't tell stories about because like Karn literally made a plane because he thought about it. Uh, right. And on top of that, um, you, any character could travel to plane to plane. The mending made it so characters couldn't travel to planes. Planeswalkers then became like humans that had teleportation and a little bit of extra magic. Um, and that's kind of what that was. And I think we might be going back kind of to a, even an, an additional level of planeswalkers having less abilities. Interesting. Okay. I mean, so, so I, what you're talking about, like a major change, whether it is, you know, effect on the way planeswalkers work, or if it's just the ability to have all of these old characters from different stories come back when we want them, but they can come back as creatures. I, that's like one, one point you make here that I do think is really interesting. Planeswalker as a type and then selling important characters to us as planeswalkers mean that means that very often I'm only getting a few major characters in a story and they have to have significant cards. Whereas like growing up when I was playing magic in the old days and back in my day, uh, I liked having legendary creatures like I was OK with that. That was a cool way to represent, you know, the, the Weatherlight crew or anybody for that matter. It didn't. Like the, the character being represented as a legendary creature was fine. There was no issue with that. And what you talked about with Commander being the most popular format, it's almost more, it's almost like more of an incentive for them to focus on these characters. Be, like, you know, imagine, imagine if Jace, like Jace was a creature, not like mono blue, you know, flip Jace, but like imagine that like there was just a really good like three or four mana Jace creature that you could play. Like that was really fun. Uh, there, There's an argument that Chandra is the main character of Magic, right? There's a lot of like she has the most random cards with her name on it that isn't like Urza or whatever. She has a lot more printings than Jace. She's been the center of the story a lot more often. Um, she's featured in a lot more of the marketing for Magic. She's the face of Spellslingers, which is the app game version of it. Um the only way for you to play Chandra as the face card of your commander deck, the most played version of magic is to play with the cre the tap creature one that doesn't is pretty bad. Origins <laughs> flips and like does two damage at a time or something. Yeah. Like you, you untap, you do one damage and then you untap it. And then you, if you cast a red spell and then you flip it and it does two damage as a planeswalker on the other side, right? Like a, a relative that's like the main character of magic is that card. <laughs> I've wanted to make that card work so many times. I mean, I do love I, say, I you know, I, I did a charity stream during COVID with uh, Chase from uh, Mana Curves and um, a few a few other people, and they we all had built Chandra decks. They all have Chandra decks built around that. I used the Chandra Aquilita Flame, which is the Planeswalker one, because I don't care about the rules. But <laughs> they were all and their decks were really good. It was really cool. So you can build Here's, that wait, deck. You play the three mana one, the uncommon. Uh, no, it's a rare. I played the rare one, the the one that gives a plus one plus one counter or a plus it zeros to give all red planeswalkers an additional loyalty yes. or make two one ones or, uh, or flash minus two the snapcaster mage. I love that spell. That's like one of my favorite magic cards. It's like such a cool. I think that, I think that's such a cool designed magic card. Like it's a really really perfectly cost like 
not too powerful. I love that it costs three. It's it's really fun. Um, so th- so that's interesting. I, I think it's a great direction, and I and I like your theory, I like your tinfoil hat, sir. Uh, we'll see see how correct you end All up right. being. So the next set, and this is exceptionally important for this podcast: Universes Beyond, Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle Earth, Fall twenty twenty three, Modern Horizons three. Jeez, this is in the next year. We're getting Horizons three next year. Well, we're getting the Lord of the Rings set, which is printing directly into modern. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. You called it Modern Horizons three. I thought you were saying an additional set was Modern Horizons three. I no, got no, no. no. It, it, we are getting the Lord of the Rings set. That Lord of the Rings <laughs> yes. set is a draftable format that will function as Modern Horizons three. Yes, and yes, yes, that much is showing up. <laughs> okay, so we've heard about this set. My first question before we get into anything about what we think is going to be in the set smeagol whatever all the characters we have talked at length about modern horizons being a bit of a contentious move like printed a lot of really powerful cards has kind of turned modern on its head do you think this is going to have just the same effect same power level like what's your gut feeling no okay so there are two parts to this puzzle right well okay there's three one as we saw with the Dungeons and Dragons sets, right? Wizards is aware of power level, right? When they print cards, they're aware of power level. They understand that when they print something that's powerful or they reprint a card that's powerful, that it's going to sell packs. So when they design cards, their intent is for there to be a few, if not a good amount of decently powerful, rare cards that are powerful enough to sell packs. Often you'll see when they have a little bit less faith in a set's themes, they'll include specifically powerful reprints to kind of encourage people to be excited by that. That's why Fetchlands were in Zendikar. That's also why Zendikar did weird gimmick stuff like full art lands and why and had the the um, the set change directions by the time we got to the third one, because they were worried that that lands matter as a as a vibe wasn't a deep enough idea. Um, Lord of the Rings doesn't need that. You have a Lord of the Rings set, so not you're you're now you're now selling to a market that's much larger. You have a lot of people that will buy it because they like Magic the Gathering and they like Lord of the Rings, or they just like Lord of the Rings and they're willing to try Magic the Gathering to play Lord of the Rings, right? You you pay for a license as theoretically a marketing piece to whatever you made, so they don't need it to be as pushed. It's one of the reasons I think Baldur's Gate was relatively considered unpowerful, is because for Commander, they didn't. You don't need to print super powerful cards in this because the 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 set is going to sell better just inherently from the brand that it's built around. Um, I do think the grain of salt there is the War- Warhammer 40k decks all have really powerful cards in them that are really good. Super so powerful. I can, yeah. That is the other version of an example. Does mean that I think there's going to be cool stuff. So I don't know. I don't I I I was before Warhammer 40k, I was leaning towards that it was actually going to be a pretty powered down set. Like it was going to be a standard level power level. With uh Lord of the Rings, just like the lineage of that franchise, movies, books, whatever. I know you're a fan. We've talked about it a lot. Uh are there any particular cards or characters that you are like so hyped for? Not really. No. So I like really like Lord of the Rings, but I definitely think it's not of my fandoms the most thing I've like have that large of a commitment to. I hope there's a I hope so. Wow. This is this is the problem, right? There's no 
because it's a modern horizon set, like I think we're going to miss out on the opportunity of like the one ring to rule them all as soul, like a soul ring version of that. Right. Because yeah, they can't print soul ring into modern. Now they did for the Warhammer decks. They did come out with the Warhammer secret layers for like cards. They didn't want to include in it. So I can see that happening with the Lord of the Rings set. Um, We'll see. Like, I I think they're just going to do all the characters. Like, I think they're going to have Bilbo. They're going to have Frodo. They're going to have, Right. Elrond, they're going to have, uh, you know, like, I think like all of the main Schmeagol. Legolas mentioned. probably will be a good card. I would hope I would hope Legolas is efficiently costed. I would hope Legolas is like a two drop. Mm-hmm. Probably Legolas will be a three drop. I would love to see what they do for Boromir. <laughs> I will be I will be upset if Boromir isn't good. Um, I hope that Boromir is awesome. Uh, he is my favorite character in all Lord of the Rings. Obviously, Gandalf will be awesome. Pro- probably Gollum will probably be fun. You know, the, a character that I think will be Gladriel probably will be a great character. I'll bet you that's a good card. Bet you Gladriel is like really powerful, like Gladriel all knowing or something like that. Um, that's all cool. I mean, I definitely think there could be an opportunity for some really, really fun equipment like the, like like, you know, um, Bilbo's Mithril that he passes down to Frodo could be like a really good piece of equipment. I think that's cool. Uh, what's what's Gandalf's horse's name? Shadowfax. Yeah, Shadowfax could be sweet. Um, I, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have gotten there. I anyway, okay, I, there was I, a time I, where I was. There was a time where I was obsessed with. Uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. With Lord of the Rings. Oh, I will give you that. So yeah, I mean, I think I think that's cool. I think obviously there's a lot of nostalgia for the set. My answer to my own question, as far as what do I think power level is going to be. I think they had to have designed this long, long ago enough that to make sweeping changes to like rip out the heart of the power would have been pretty hard to do. I think like the Modern Horizons 2 came out now last year, correct? Like we talked about this, I think it was I think it was 2021 sometime, like like mid year, maybe. Uh, And we're talking about this coming out, you know, basically two years from that. Um, we know that the turnaround time on this stuff is about two years. We also know it's not that big of a design team and there's a lot of sets. So my gut tells me this is going to be very powerful. I think it's going to, I think it's probably going to be a little less powerful than two. And my biggest reason being a lot of the stuff they're doing in this is going to be characters. It's going to be famous characters. And I think there was probably an instinct to make all of the characters really powerful because they're all kind of legendary amongst like fans. So I'm sure that they, there's like a few that, and they had to kind of power down a lot of the rest of them. That would be my guess. I don't think you're going to have a lot of weird B cards that are just, just like happen to be extremely good that aren't significant in some way. So I think there'll be less of them, but I do think there's going to at least be six to 10, like extremely good cards. I, I bet we get like, some weird common or like a few commons and uncommons that are just like better, like, like forever staples, like, like potatoes will be printed and it'll be like weirdly like one black for two black mana or something <laughs> like, sure, just like sure, right. ends up being busted for whatever reason, accidentally. Um, the, like the, like, you know, the, an offer you can't refuse style cards where they like come up with a cool mechanic for it. Um, I think that the, like, It'll be interesting if they, I mean, taking off the tin foil hat theory from before, if the the planeswalkers that'll be in the set, like I think Gandalf is going to be a planeswalker. Though, like, okay, so this is this is the weird thing, though, right? Like Gandalf being a planeswalker or 
Saruman being a planeswalker or Sauron being a planeswalker makes sense. But wouldn't it? It's weird that Gandalf would be not able to be a commander card, like a, your commander. Is it yeah. doesn't it feel like a miss to not print a legendary creature version of Gandalf? And it's not going to be like Gandalf can be your commander, like we've seen in commander it's, sets because before. it's modern. It's a modern printed set, right? It's going into modern, so it feels. I don't know. I don't know how you handle that. You'd make a legendary creature. So. Yeah, maybe both, I mean, right? maybe, you do what you do, what they did for Brothers War, where like S- Sauron will be a planeswalker. I'd bet I'd bet a hundred dollars to anybody right now. There's no way Sauron's a creature. Sauron's definitely a planeswalker. Sure, um, sure. There's probably the Sauron creature version, because what was Sauron's name as a human before? He became Sauron, wasn't like it? Like it was a, in the show on on uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Finish. You'll probably have the character version, and then you'll also probably have the Planeswalker version. You might even have Gandalf the Gray as a creature, and Gandalf the White as a Planeswalker. Um, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be shocked if that was the case. Or maybe Gandalf the Gray flips into Gandalf the White and flips into a Planeswalker. Right? You, yeah. I can see that happening. So. Um, but anyway, I mean, look, it's I, I I do have my reservations about the IP driven sets there. You know, I'm excited. I love Lord of the Rings, like some of my favorite movies of all time. But there's also that part of me that's, you know, I don't I don't know. It, it's it's a little concerning, I think, that we've had so much of the IP driven stuff over the course of the last 18 months. If so much of magic starts to become every year, we have a couple of these and and like. It's just well, it's just a lot to track, I guess. We we will have a couple of these every year, right? Because we're like we're not going to talk about it too much because it's a I believe it's a um it's a commander it's a commander deck, so it's like the forty k thing. The forty k release of this year is going to be a Doctor Who release next year, right? That's right. I remember that. Yeah. So we'll 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 see what that is. So the the next now we now back to standard sets, continuing modern legal sets. Wilds of Eldraine, which is supposed to be a palate cleanser from the Frixian War, so it's probably going to be a little bit less heavy-handed in, in in how depressing it is. I do think, weirdly enough, if I were to pick, like, main character characters that aren't really a part of the Frixian story, the last time we saw them was Eldraine, so that's Garrick, that's the Kenrith twins, um, that's Oko, so I, I do think it's interesting that we're going back here, which is, like, I, I think Oko, like I, I, like, I think my, like, best theory was that, like, once the planes are opened, Oko, like, do you know the Great Aurora? It's a card. Yeah, the green card. It was like the main plot of of uh. So, Shadowmore to Lorwyn. Lorwyn becomes Shadowmore. Like it's an alternate universe because the Great Aurora happens and everyone turns into like dark versions of themselves. Wasn't that card from like Origins or something? Yeah, because no? Nissa went to 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 Lorwyn. Oh god. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's about Lorwyn, right? That like Lorwyn turns into Shadowmore during the Great Aurora. So Oko oh, doing yeah. that to everyone, like just making it a massive planner event, so we could get Evil Jace or you know like all the care all the and then like Tezzeret would become like a hero, so you could do like the inverse of everyone. I thought was a cool idea, but um, I don't know. It'll be fun. It's gonna be more fit. It's gonna be Shrek too, right? That's what Eldraine is. It's Shrek, the set. Right. Right. Garrick right, right. is Shrek. Like he's grumpy at the beginning because he's been cursed, and then a donkey or an elk shows up and he's like, Oh, I guess I'll be friends with you. And then he becomes good. <laughs> they probably bring back adventures, kid. right? They were like, they, they were super popular, right? Adventures. The, the Avengers. No, sorry. They probably bring back adventure, the card type. It was oh, yeah. very popular. Yeah. 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 
The only reason I would think they wouldn't is that they were just in the Baldur's Gate set. Like we did, they did adventures in, right. in that set. But I think I think they're a slam dunk to come back. I think those will come back. I think food will come back. I think it'll be bad. Well, so this is this is the thing that's interesting because it, it'll come up between this and the next set. So I think Eldraine is going to be massively underpowered. And I think that because, because Eldraine one was overpowered, right? Like think about like Zendikar two, right? Battle for Zendikar was like a way less powerful version because they were over. They like made landfall way worse because they're like, oh, landfall was too good last time. We have to make it bad now. And then it was bad. <laughs> uh like I think the only playable landfall card from Battle for Zendikar is that the enchantment to the, blue the, when the you play retreat? a land on tap, uh, Night of the Reliquary, basically. Yeah, the retreat, right? Yeah, the, yeah the retreat the to Coralhelm. Um, yeah, yeah, and so, like, that's my guess for Eldraine. But the next set, we're going back to Ixalan. I think it'll be the reverse. I think Ixalan will be too good. Okay, because the when we went to Ixalan in response to whatever whatever sets that were too powerful before they depowered it a lot right so like ixalan oh it was response to Cal, uh, kaladesh so they like like ixalan was like there were no good cards it was like some, some tribes they didn't do anything the best card was the blue enchantment that flipped into a land search for Azkanta, like which is good but like doesn't even say play in modern anymore right like no. and wasn't really seeing play in modern before modern horizons even came out now I think they're going to swing back. I think they're going to be like, you know what? Pirates are sick. Dinosaurs are sick. Vampires are super popular. And merfolk are super popular. Here are our four most popular, four of our most popular underutilized uh, creature types. Let's go deep and it'll, it'll be sick. I'm hyped. And it looks like it's going to be a little bit more like Indiana Jonesy, which I'm also excited for. I'm always excited for more mer- merfolk sets. Uh, I guess... <laughs> Well, this is this is like probably an entire different episode, but it is an interesting thought. I'm not a big fan of the whole like worst movies of the year lists that people make. I always think it's kind of like a stupid. uh, It just feels like very like destructive of art. But there is a lot of humor with Magic's history and the good sets versus the bad sets. I would be curious someday to do a top 10 biggest misses of all time sets. We could also Um, do like just because next year is the 30th anniversary. We could do worst set, best set of every year. That's, I mean, math. It'd be 60 sets. I was going to say, we just go, you just go top 10 biggest misses because there's a few that are obvious, like Homelands or something. But there's also some that are just like, like, like the first Ixalan. It's like a pretty, it's a pretty big mess. You mentioned uh, BFZ, Battle for Zendikar. Like that set was so bad. That's like, I was going through a stack of cards today that I came across. I can't remember why I was looking at it, but I, it was like a bunch of commons and uncommons from that set. I was like, God. I didn't even like the commons and uncommons for limited. I like hated this set. You, you want to deep like, dive in the sets. I was thinking just like we just come up with the list at a time and go over it. Yeah, okay. I'm down. All I'm right. just thinking top 10 because because I'm curious what is the worst magic set of all time? Like is it like like non-silver bordered sets. Like, you know, it's obviously like so you're you're isn't talking it, like isn't it like not the dark uh 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 empires? Yeah, like one Fallen of the empires, homelands, homelands isn't it? Homelands. I don't think I don't think a set has been worse than homelands. I mean, that's the point of the episode, Alex. Don't cheat that. Don't cheat the listeners. Fair, fair. All right. So, which set of the four, of the sets I just mentioned are you most excited by? Or do you want to talk about Ixalan? I, I mean, that's that's we kind of gave it the least amount of time along with Eldraine. Um, I think we can. We don't. We know the least about those sets. I'm. Merfolk is already a tier one deck in modern. I think vampires is two steps away from being an actual playable 
creature type in modern, which I think is going to be cool. Dinosaurs is like dinosaurs. Like you, 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 you brought this up. I was maybe the most excited of any other block ever for Ixalan when it came out. Dinosaurs versus pirates sounds like the sickest stuff ever. And then it kind of was disappointed in power level. I'm excited to go back with them, like swinging full hilt. I want, I want a, you know, uh, uh, a pirate ship commander. I want like better, like cool stuff like that. I'm, I'm hyped. Yeah, I mean, I we've talked about it on here. I'm really excited for pirates. I love pirates. I was disappointed with the quality of the pirates at last time. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think there's enough cool pirates over the years that if you give me some nice support pieces, I think there could be a, like a fun deck there. I think vampires is always a step away. So I agree. This could be the thing that does it. Murpho can't get that much better. Like what you can print in a standard set to make Merfolk good is... <laughs> You gave us a two. You you gave us literally another two CMC Lord last time, which isn't even good enough to see play. So if you're going to give us a Lord, it has to be better. Oh than oh, that. oh oh right. oh! Last time we were on Ixlon, because I'm like last time yeah. we got a good Merfolk two of CMC Lord. It made the deck a tier <laughs> tier at least one point five deck in the format. <sighs> yeah. So and that's because it had flash and like was so turbocharged. So like, unless you're going to give me a Lord that's better than that at two, three CMC Lords basically don't see play. Svelun does, but Svelun is like the steroid version. So Merfolk feels like for a standard set, you'd have to work pretty hard to impact. What about like, like an island that-, that enters the battlefield untapped, non-island, a, a blue mana source enters the battlefield untapped, some amount of mana is a Merfolk creature, t- like an attack, like, you know, is a creature land Merfolk land. Oh, just like a blue, like a blue meat of all basically. Yeah. A Merfolk Mutavault. I mean, that could certainly make the deck better. Mutavault is way more contentious in that deck list than it used to be. Um, well, but partially because it doesn't tap for blue, right? It that's what I'm, yeah. Excuse me. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Mer- Mutavault is so much worse than it used to be because it, the deck is so powerful now that missing your uh, drops or you know missing your your curve because you have a colorless land is actually pretty damaging to the deck. Um, so that could happen. I think talking about yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Eldraine and Ixalan are probably the two sets that I it's a little bit of a wait and see thing. I think what you're saying is pretty accurate. I don't. I don't have that much to say about Ixalan, really, um, of the of the sets you did mention, the one that I'm the most excited about. Probably the it's probably one of the first two. It's probably either March of the Machine or it's. Uh, yeah, it's probably March of the Machine. Honestly, that, I'll bet you that's the set I'm the most excited for. I'd say it's the Lord of the Rings set because it's modern level, you know, power, whatever, and Lord of the Rings. But I just, I don't know. There's just this aversion that I have to it because it's like just that IP stuff. Just I'm a little less excited than I wish I was. Yeah, I, th- I think as far as the magic IP goes, like I think I'm most excited for this year in magic basically since. Like maybe ever. Every set, like the story that's completing is so sick. What they're accomplishing sounds really amazing is like the way that the writing team is running sounds like it's actually functioning in a way that it wasn't with War of the Spark. I loved War of the Spark, but I guess the last time I was this excited was Zendikar into Innistrad, right? Like Battle for Zendikar into Shadows over Innistrad was the last thing that felt like this because I I do as a person who wasn't playing Magic during original Ravnica have like a little bit of a less... Ravnica matters less to me than other places do, to sure. be honest. And I think this is this is pretty hype. I'm super excited for this year by a lot. Yeah, I think Magic's in an incredible place. We're back to in-person events again. We're back to like the full the full machine running. So 
you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get to make some great content, see some of you guys at events and, and we get some, you know, really bombastic releases that change the format and, and give us a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So I definitely am really looking forward to it. Yep. Super hyped. Now, everyone below, let us know what below. Also, which set you're most excited by. What do you think? What are your sub th- some of your theories? What do you think is going to happen? As I mentioned before, we're going to, if we get enough comments, we might try and make a little mini video uh, on the channel or at least on, on TikTok uh, going over some of your comments. Um, so please, please right below. We'll, we'll definitely get featured in some way. Um, and uh, thank you so much. Make sure to check out the Patreon. Make sure to check out all of our sponsors. Uh, make sure uh, to if you're at Magic Philly, let us know. We're gonna we're gonna be there, jamming spells, hanging out, uh, and having a good time. And we'll talk to all of you. Uh, well, I will be off next week. Uh, ben will be uh, with Renee, uh, who, if you follow us on social media or on TikTok, uh, has been uh, kicking uh, ass uh, running all of that. So uh, he'll be on next week, and then I'll be back the following week. Where Ben will be off, and I'll be on with uh, Rebel. Uh, so uh, we'll have some awesome stuff coming up in the next two weeks. All of you, then. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.